Welcome everyone to our first chapter of this journey, where we're talking a lot about the relationship with self. A lot of times when it comes to our mindset and our mental health, we're not quite sure where to start. And so we're going to offer a step one to start internally with ourselves, understanding ourselves, understanding our relationship with ourselves and how that can really drive not only the quality of our mental health, but really the quality of all our other relationships and how we experience life, especially outside of the workplace in our home lives. Kyler, I'm so excited that we get to share your perspective and expertise with our Atlassians today. As we start this topic and talk about self-relationship and self-understanding, I'd love to kind of start boilerplate. How would you define self-relationship and even our ability to provide self-care? Great questions. Um, greetings at Lassian. So, so self-relationship, the easiest way to think about this is the same as other relationship, but flipped. So when we think about relationships with other people, there are some key ingredients that make that up. We have our thoughts and feelings about the other person. We have our shared experiences and memories with them. And then we have the nature of our interactions with them, how, how we treat them, how they treat us, what are the needs and boundaries, and how all of these things sort of changed over time. So those are relationships with others. And if we think about the relationship with ourselves, those same key ingredients come into play. Um, so maybe wonder to yourself, what thoughts and feelings do I have about myself? Um, what are the memories and experiences that help make me, me being along for the ride? How do I interact with myself? And uh, how do I treat myself both internally and externally? And, and how has that changed over time? Do I treat myself differently than I did when I was a kid versus now? So um, that, that to me is really what self-relationship is all about is just like any other relationship that you might have in the world, how do you relate with you. Um, and then when self-care comes into the picture with this, self-care is a bit of a buzzword. And when people talk about self-care, the temptation is to, you know, sort of tune out. We hear about it a lot. What does that even mean anymore? Um, but when we think about self-relationship, we have to think about self-care because uh, it's, it's, again, how you interact with yourself. So usually when people think about self-care, they think about uh, pouring a bubble bath, and downing a bucket of cheese puffs and drinking some wine and watching the entire series of The Witcher. And that they're like, yes, that is, that is self-care. And while that can make you feel really good, um, it's incomplete because ultimately self-care is about choices and it needs to involve choices that are both self-soothing, like cheese puffs, uh, but also self-nurturing, things that are healthy and helpful, that things that will um, make us uh, function better, feel better, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah. So that's sort of how I would break down self-relationship and how that connects with self-care. Fantastic. Um, let's keep going with that self-care piece for a little bit. I know that for many Atlassians who are overachievers, perfectionists, who have kind of lived a lot of life trying to work really hard at being the best. And part of that has come from 
sometimes being hard on themselves. And I think a lot of us who relate to that, um, some days know that we're maybe being a little too hard on ourselves and that maybe we need to let up a little, but then there's another voice that pops up and says, well, goodness, like, I don't, I don't want to be so soft on myself that suddenly I'm lazy or that I become complacent and never do anything to where we almost swing in between these great extremes of completely overworking ourselves and burning it out to like, you're not even able to rest at that point. You're just exhausted and depleted, right? Um, Can you talk a little bit to that tension in self-care or maybe even self-compassion about how self-care and self-compassion isn't necessarily just being completely soft on yourself or like you said, allowing yourself to eat all the cheese balls forever Um, and talking to the versions of self-care and self-compassion that can be a harder truth or a choice that's not um, as easy or comfortable. Absolutely. That's, this is such a great question. It highlights the, the importance of the role of the inner critic. So all of us have this inner critic. It's this part of us that is there to motivate us and make us better and push us and give us that energy that we need to be productive, to to keep going when times are hard. Um, And so many of us, especially those of us in, in communities like Atlassian and other success communities where you got to where you did because of that inner critic. You relied on that. You worked really hard to earn what you did. And then uh, as it grew over time, or maybe that became a thing that you had to rely on, the inner critic is in the driver's seat and it's making all of the decisions for your life. And what used to be a thing that was really helpful is now a thing that creates suffering um, and loss. And it ultimately comes down to the choices that we make and the values that we hold. So uh, if, you, if you ask yourself, you know, what matters most in your life? Um, Does it matter to work and work and work like crazy and overwork? And then one day you turn 65 and you retire and you've got a big pile of money, but does that make you happy? Does that give you fulfillment? Um, What do you want to do with your life? Uh, How do you want to be remembered? What sort of impact do you want to make on the world? And, And those kinds of questions get at uh, what what you know acceptance and commitment therapists call values, and we we talk about values all the time. So it's it's not a new idea by any means. But um, when you think about the values that that matter most to you, and you were to sort of try to identify your top five things that that matter most, maybe these are things like uh, relationships and connection. Maybe the, these are things like health and wellness. Maybe it does involve success and doing well at work and growing and being your best version of yourself. Maybe it involves helping others or being able to to, uh, make the world a better place in in your own way. So these are all examples of values that a person might hold. And I can talk about a resource that folks can use uh, to to identify some of their own values. But it's it's when we're in those moments where uh, you're exhausted and you're working and you have a choice to make um, you're, you're always making a choice. Uh, so it could be, I will work and push and follow the inner critic. And, and that moves me closer towards my value of maybe success or being productive. But uh, is there a sacrifice to this? Is there a cost? Um, am I now losing out on relationships because I'm too tired when I clock out to 
spend time with my partner or go out and make friends? Um, is there a health cost where I don't have the energy to work out? And so now day after day, my, my energy is getting lower and lower and lower. And so I'm, I'm throwing out lots of examples of sort of what that negotiation process is like that we sometimes sort of mindlessly engage in where it's easy to focus on the value that has helped you survive, um, but to truly thrive, what are the values that you want to live more fully towards? Beautiful. I like that kind of refining it into a question of, okay, when we're making the choice, um, what feels like it aligns with the higher values that I want to be guiding my life? Um, and also kind of just what feels the most healthy and nourishing in the moment too. Exactly. There's a, um, there's a question that many therapists, uh, Dr. Phil also asks this question, although the field has strong feelings about Dr. Phil, but the question is like, how's that working for you? Mm -hmm. So if, if the way that you're living your life is really working for you, um, then great. Uh, and, and if you're satisfied and happy with how it's going, two thumbs way, way up. But if it's not, then can we be curious about what can change? Is there something that, that uh, is workable or, or changeable that would make it better for you? It's funny, right? Because I think of us in corporate and organizational world, we always put a lot of emphasis on knowing the values and guiding principles of our work. And sometimes we end up overlooking having the same thing for our overarching lives, especially outside of work. So I love kind of that you're highlighting that really important need again, but also the ability to evaluate more objectively, how is this actually working, right? We do that with our work, but we forget to with the rest of our lives too. Exactly. And um, sometimes even like when you realize that it's not working, it's hard to find the, the motivation to do anything about that. And so uh, in therapy, we talk about this idea of the lesser of two sufferings. So it's, uh, there's, there's sort of like anything that we do um, is, is sort of natural and we're doing it because, uh, and even though there is, there's hurt or hardship that comes with that, to do something different may be even harder. So that's why people will stay in a relationship that's not super healthy because the idea of like breakup is really, really hard, or maybe they're dependent on alcohol. And, and that's the thing that gets them through, even though it makes them feel like crap going sober is really, really hard. So, um, sometimes the healthy choice is, is harder than, you know, the, the easy choice, of course. But, um, one thing that can be really helpful is to sort of, uh, embody what we call sort of like self-parenting where you imagine to yourself, not everybody has had the privilege of being raised by amazing parents, although some of us have, all of us have sort of a mental model of what a really good parent would be like, or a good coach, or a good mentor, or something like that. Um, and day to day, if you can imagine yourself, you know, what choices should I be making for myself? What will really help me live well? If you can imagine like a, a parent or a coach being there with you, uh, what would they encourage you to do? Would they say like, yeah, keep working. That's, that's really good for you. And, and, and not to say that work is bad. It's, it's whether or not work is effective and helping you towards your, your, your values. Um, but maybe a, a parent would say, you know, cheese balls are great, but what about some vegetables also, or uh, maybe go for a walk today and get some sunshine. Um, so that's another strategy that can sometimes help. Great. Fantastic. So as we 
speak about not only some of these concepts and how to apply them in life with questions or perspectives. Um, I'd love to dive in even deeper, maybe into some of the tangible mechanics behind our self-relationship and our self-care. I know for a lot of our Atlassians who are more analytically minded and who are curious and learning more and more about their mental health and wellness, one perspective that can often be really beneficial and useful in learning is really understanding kind of the the science and the psychology and biology behind so many of these mental wellness experiences we have. Um, I know that it's, it can be a very big question to answer, right? I know when people ask me about science, I'm like, all right, let me pull out like a slide deck. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) if at all possible, um, to kind of summarize, would you mind walking us through some of that science and psychology behind how our self-relationships are formed, how they work, and also just what, scientifically, biologically makes our self-relationships so important to our everyday mental health? That is a big, big question. Break it down. Happy happy (laughs) to send resources and articles to help back some of the things that I'm talking about. Um, So so if I'm understanding correctly, there's a piece about the uh, development of self-relationship and the research around that. And then there's a piece about the uh, impact of self-relationship in the day-to-day and outcomes. Does that sound right? Yeah, it does. Okay, perfect. So in terms of the research on development, um, what we know about relationship with self over the lifespan is that our early developmental experiences are absolutely critical for um, how we see ourself and the world and our future. Um, And we call these, these core belief schemas. So these are ideas or beliefs that you hold that it's not that you think it's true, you you know it's true uh, of of you. Um, So these might be beliefs about how you come across other people. Maybe you think you're awkward or you're attractive or you uh, tend to to make other people uh, excited or something like that. So these are all beliefs about yourself that may be formed because of the experiences that you learned growing up. And a lot of this happens in the home. So the uh, relationship that you have with your parents, with the caregivers who are important figures in your early years can play such a dramatic role in how you see yourself and engage in relationships. And that way is is just called attachment. So we have attachment is, is sort of the emotional bond that you have between yourself and another person. And it informs uh, how you navigate conflict and decisions and everything in relationships. So there are different types of attachments. We can talk about those things if that's helpful. But the research shows us that your uh, attachment tendencies can really inform not just the relationship that you have with others, but also your relationship with yourself. So here's one good example. If you are uh, what's called an an anxious attachment style person, where you really fear other people leaving you or abandoning you, you feel really insecure in your relationships, um, then you may be more likely to set your needs aside for the other person. You may be more willing to put up with the other person mistreating you or not doing good things for you because you're so afraid of what might happen if they leave. Um, and so that's, that's, that's a good example of like an anxious dynamic with, with someone else. And you can hear even in that, how that person may see themselves. They may feel that they're not worthy, that they're not 
good. Um, and that can come from childhood experiences of abuse or mistreatment or bullying and all sorts of stuff. So that's, that's to sort of capture some of the, the research and ideas that come behind the development of self-relationship. Um, and there's a lot of, that we can sort of go into in this area. But in the day-to-day, -day, what the research shows us is uh, positive self-relationships, um, both increase productivity in the workspace, um, but also long longevity. I always mess up that word. I wanna say longevity. <laughs> um, longevity, how long you live. So the better your relationship is with yourself, the more likely it is that you're going to have energy to do the work that you need to do. And the more likely it is that you will take good care of yourself and live longer. Um, we also know that negative self-relationships, so self-relationships that involve a lot of self-hate, um, self-punishment, self-harm, those are uh, both a symptom and a cause of many mental health issues like depression and anxiety. Um, and it correlates with high blood pressure, um, cardiovascular disease, decreased white blood cell uh, uh, um, uh, activity, or sorry, rather uh, increased white blood, blood cell activity, which uh, causes inflammation in the system and then makes it so that your body has a harder time repairing from injury or stress or wear down. I think maybe maybe one other thing I can add is uh, the research also shows that uh, a, a your self-relationship impacts your other relationships. So you in, in the present. So the more that you are able to love and appreciate yourself and have a good relationship with yourself, the more that opens up space for loving and appreciating other people and being able to support them and, and be there for them. So um, that has obvious impacts in other areas of wellness. Fantastic. I think that is the perfect segue into our next chapter that expands into our friendships and our relationships outside of the workplace, how we foster meaningful ones and how that impacts our everyday mental health. Before we wrap up this chapter, however, Kyler, anything else that you would want to share as far as building a healthy self-relationship, quick tips or insights as we wrap up? Yeah. Um, let me see if I can make this a quick tip. Um, I, uh, I'm realizing at this point in our conversation that uh, uh, folks may be me listening and we're sort of talking about the science and the high level uh, uh, sort of like theory of self-relationship, other relationship. Um, but, but there is also uh, like me speaking from my heart on this because um, when I was nine years old, I learned how to hate myself. Um, I was facing a lot of bullying in school and um, uh, relationships that were really unhealthy for me and abusive. Um, and for the most part, I put that on myself and saw myself as somebody who was really unworthy and, and um, uh, bad in relationships. And over the years of doing my own work, of having really healing and corrective uh, relational experiences, I learned to start to doubt some of those beliefs about being bad or broken or, or wrong um, and, and able to hold those more loosely, which gave me space for uh, loving myself, which once I was able to get there, I realized uh, the more that I could do that for me, the more I could do that for others. And so my hope is that people can feel encouraged uh, in their own journey, no matter where you're at, that, uh, that, that you can do the same. Thank you. I know it's always so 
helpful to hear about real human experiences so we can relate to them um, on our own journey. So I really appreciate you sharing that, Kyler. Thank you for joining us for this chapter at Lassians. We'll hopefully see you in our next chapter as we dig into friendships, relationships, and beyond with Kyler. See you soon.